Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast, where we promote, educate, inspire, and entertain creators of all things related to fantasy and science fiction. Hi, this is Carson with Troy, and I have with me best-selling author Jim Butcher. Jim, thank you for coming on with me today. Um, Jim is the author of The Dresden Files, which I think most of the people that listen to this have heard of, um, the Codex Alera series and the Cinder Spires um, series, which only has one book, The Aeronauts Windless. Hopefully, I really enjoyed that book, so hopefully more is coming. Oh, yeah. Almost done. Perfect. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> let's start in the very beginning um, with, with Dresden. And that came out in 2000. So I'm assuming that you wrote that in the, the early 90s. Or, excuse me, late 90s, mid 90s. Uh, wrote started the first one in 1996. 96. Okay. So, <clears throat> I, I, you know, that was, I graduated in 97. So that was, you know, I was reading fantasy um, probably the most back then. And I'd always go to the bookshelves and stuff. I got to admit, like, urban fantasy wasn't uh, a thing. Um, you know, there were there were just a few. Um, but Buffy was coming out at that time. Did that, right. did that inspire you at all to kind of go in that direction? The first uh, inspiration for the Dresden Files was probably Laurel Hamilton's uh, Anita Blake series. Okay. Uh, that came out like in 93. Yeah, yeah. It started off about then. Uh, then a few years later, I saw the pilot for Buffy, and uh, uh, the, the the line that grabbed me most was when Giles said, people tend to uh, rationalize everything they can and forget everything they can't. And I was like, ooh, that's that's a that's a good basis for doing for doing a, a modern fantasy stuff, you know, fantasy in the modern world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was that was kind of the main thing that I took from Buffy to, to go to the Dresden Files. Plus, it was just so lippy and snarky, and I loved that. So what was the kind of inspiration of, of Harry? Because most heroes, you know, we kind of go through a, a hero's journey with them or they kind of find their own. And you do that with Dresden, but he's already like a deeply flawed character, almost like uh, Peter Parker is like he has a hard time with money and, and stuff like that. It's, yeah, Peter Parker's the guy. Yeah, uh, Peter Parker was really my inspiration. Uh, Spider-Man has always been, was always my hugest hero when I was growing up. And, you know, the poor guy it just... it it wasn't enough that he did the right thing and that he went up against unimaginable evil and everything else. But they always added that extra little dig of humiliation at him. It was a very Charlie Brown sort of situation for Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, that's even older Charlie Brown, but yeah. <laughs> He's down on his luck a lot. His own wizard council doesn't trust him. Like you, did you sit down and like have a whole backstory for him before he started? Or is that kind of developed as you've written? Um, I, I had it, I had his general outline, um, and more importantly, I had uh, I, I didn't really have backstory. I kind of had future story that written down. Um, when I when I first sat down and started writing the first the first Dresden Files book, it was actually in a college class uh, called Writing a Genre Fiction Novel. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, I was being taught by Deborah Chester, who was you who was the the you know the woman who taught me everything I needed to know about writing. Uh, uh, as I you know as I was as I was creating this book, I think I got through. Uh, I think I got through the first three or four chapters and she said, okay, now I want to see an outline for the rest of it. And she meant the rest of the novel. I come back into, in, into class the next week with an outline for a, a, a 20 book series with a three book, uh, with, you know, with a big old capstone trilogy at the end of it. And, and, you know, I had sort of gone through and essentially written all the newspaper headlines, you know, for the series it is, uh, the Newspaper headlines in terms of uh, West Arcane, which was you know this this weird little paper that um, uh, was it you know gets mentioned occasionally in the Dresden Files, and 
and I, I went on and I went on talking to her about it for a good five minutes before before I realized, oh, wait a minute, she just met the rest of this book. Uh, uh, but I had so much enthusiasm. I, I know she didn't want to quash it because I had finally kind of gotten on board with what she was teaching. And uh, uh, so she just sort of nodded and smiled and went along with me and didn't tell me that there was just no way that a, a, a newbie author was going to be able to sell a, a 20 book series with a with a with a you know, capstone trilogy ending. And so because she didn't tell me it was impossible, I uh, did it. <laughs> That's good. Sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. And so we do stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Throughout your career, I mean, Dresden Files has gone, you know, 20 years now, 22 years. Uh, Battleground came out a couple of years ago, and I'm sure you're working on the, the rest of them. Um, what have you learned through the, you know, these 22 years? Uh, oh, what, what, what haven't I learned? I, I learned how dumb I was when I got started. Uh, I assume I'm, I'm almost as dumb now, just slightly less so. Uh, uh, but all the same, um, uh, uh, most of my learning has been, you know, kind of growing up as a person in terms of, in terms of writing, the rules have stayed the same. Um, you know, I, I've, I've pretty much stuck to my outline. It's going to be a few more books than 20 at this point. Because, uh, you know, some I'd never written a 20-book series before, so I didn't really know how it was going to fall out. And I suppose I still haven't. Uh, uh, but I'm working, you know, so that it, it should work out. I hope it will. Yeah, well, I don't think a lot of people realize how how hard uh, writing such a long series is. I mean, look at some of the big series that, that um, were supposed to be, like, in your case, 20 books or, like, 14 books and have grown. I mean, Will of Time was only supposed to be so many books, and it was 14, and... Even George right, R. Right. Martin's is supposed to be was supposed to be a trilogy, but it's, it's who knows how long that will be. So, right, as long as George, I imagine. What drew you to science fiction and fantasy as a whole? Like, why why did you choose that? Oh, because I grew up on it. I mean, when I was young, uh, I remember early on some of the first books I read. I mean, I started reading at a pretty young age. I, I started at around four. You know, by the time I was six, I was reading the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, I got sick and was out of school for a week one year when I was uh, about seven, and my sisters bought me, um, one of them bought me the box set of the Lord of the Rings. Remember those primary color box sets with, you know, yellow, green, blue, those? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I read that. Um, uh, and then the other one bought me the the Han Solo trilogy that Brian Daly had written because I love Star Wars so much. Uh, and after that, I picked up you know, just Pridane and Dragonlance and everything else as it came out, Elfstones, uh, you know, there, there was a, and there was a limited amount of fantasy, you know, uh, when I was growing up. And so, you know, I, I, I remember reading a series and it got to the end of, I forget which series it was exactly, but I got to the end of it and I was a bit disappointed with it. And I thought I, I would have done this differently, I think. And then I thought to myself, well, that's awfully arrogant to say, maybe, maybe if, maybe you should put your money where your mouth is and start writing. And so it was after that, that I was, 19 years old and I wrote my first fantasy novel um it was terrible I mean it was awful <laughs> I, I've got about eight books that I wrote that were just the worst books in the history of mankind and uh, uh they're not even in trunk books because I didn't keep them you know oh, you just got rid of them huh yeah pretty much I mean there's probably out there somewhere electronic copies maybe in my I've got a computer morgue where all the old computers and parts and stuff go so that I can I can go Frankenstein things together if I need to and there's probably a hard drive in there where those things actually exist but i'm not sure are any of any plot lines or characters that were in those old novels have they shown up in um newer novels that you that have you released oh yeah i scrap them for parts all the time. yeah uh the codex alera had a bunch of my original fantasies uh, uh characters and concepts and and i 
you know, I, I put them together for, for a new story. And uh, I will I will continue doing that with books as I as I keep going forward. Now I understand that Codex Valera, and this might be totally off. I've I've heard it from a, you know somebody that says you've said it that it was kind of like uh, a bet at a con. Like somebody was like asking you where ideas come from, and you were like, "Oh, ideas are a dime a dozen." Like something like that. Does that sound familiar? Am I way off base? <clears throat> um, a little bit off base. Um, before I got published. Um, Del Rey had the, uh, they, they set up the online writers workshop, the Del Rey online writers workshop, which was in 98, 99, I think, uh, when they set that up. And what it was basically was a bunch of, uh, writers who were not published, uh, who would get together and talk about the craft of writing and, you know, talk about books and plot and story. And then occasionally, uh, an editor or an agent would come through and just be virtually mobbed by everyone, you know, in the days, uh, before virtual mobs, uh, uh, and, there were a lot of discussions that would go on in that. And I had, you know, everybody had opinions, of course. Um, and so these discussions were essentially uh, a bunch of internet loudmouths who uh, just wanted to argue about things. And they were the kind of discussions where you would like hit reply and then caps lock and then start typing. It was, it was, it was that mature, you know, lots of exclamation points. Yeah, exactly. All that. And so there was a discussion that came up and I found myself champ, uh, the champion of one side of the discussion. Um, and, and, and there were, I was up against somebody who was the champion of the other side. And I, I forget, I, I forget his name at this point, but, uh, um, the argument was all about, um, originality and writing. And my, my side of the discussion was that, uh, no matter how, how many times the story has been seen or how many times it's been done, uh, an, an author with true creativity and originality could put enough of his own spin on it that it would still be a fun and good story. How many versions of Romeo and Juliet have we seen? You know, that was my position. The other position sort of championed the notion of the holy idea, capital H, capital I. And uh, his, uh, his concept was, was that if you had a good enough idea, it didn't matter how badly you wrote it, uh, it was going to be successful. And he held up Jurassic Park as his example. So... We argued back and forth for a really long time, and I argued that the holy idea was not at all necessary, and, and he thought he thought I was an idiot. So finally, at some point, he says, all right, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? Why don't you let me give you a terrible idea, and let's see you write it into a story that sells and makes money with your author's creativity. And uh, being the sort of person I was at the time, uh, 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 I kind of looked back at him and said, nah, why don't you give me two terrible ideas? I'll use them both. The guy says, all right, let's do this. And he says, first terrible idea is Lost Roman Legion. I am so sick of Lost Roman Legions. All the Lost Roman Legions should have been found by now. I say, okay, what's your second terrible idea? And he says, Pokemon. <laughs> so uh, I went out and started, I said, okay, I accept your challenge. And I went out and started doing research on Lost Roman Legions. Because normally when you're talking about Lost Roman Legions, there's been a couple, but you talk about the Ninth Hibernian Legion that, that in, in uh, uh, Britain. And so... I went and looked them up and realized that, okay, well, the Roman Legion was essentially a, a, a colonial army and that, that, that could go out anywhere and start building Roman society. And it was about half uh, Roman citizens and about half German mercenaries. And then they have their, their series of camp followers as well. And uh, the legend is that they marched off into a thunderstorm and were never seen again. Now, what likely happened was that they went native and just sort of settled down with the Celts north of the wall. Uh, or were destroyed by them, or, or a bit of both. Uh, but what I decided was they marched off into the thunderstorm and vanished and went to another world. And where did they go? Land of the Pokemon. So I looked up, I, I started examining Pokemon, which I was 
I thought it was it was it was a little bit stupid that they that he had listed this as a bad idea because this was during season one of Pokemon when the first edition cards were out and the kids were all going crazy over it. And so uh, I examined Pokemon and Pokemon itself is a fusion of two ideas. Uh, the first idea uh, being uh, the concept of Kami from the Shinto religion, which is the notion that in all natural things, there is a spirit and that is it's a divine spirit and needs to be respected. So there's if if there's a if there's a stream the stream has a, has a kami if there's a mountain the mountain has a kami even a pebble has a kami, which you know you, you should respect it but if you don't what's it going to do it's a pebble, right? And then they took that and they fused it with professional wrestling, and that that was how they got Pokemon. So I said okay let's take these kami and we'll have we'll have the the the, the lost Roman legion march off to this land uh, where these Pokemon exist and they'll of course start adapting and using it because that's what the Romans did. And they'll start conquering everything in sight because that's also what the Romans did. And, uh, uh, and I gave them about, you know, I gave their society a couple of thousand years to settle down and sort of settle down into this, uh, uh, this bifurcated half German, uh, a half German freehold society and uh, a half Roman met uh, metropolitan center society. And uh, I said, okay, that's where I'm going to start my story. And then I started my story with a boy on a farm because that's where fantasy stories start. I didn't make that rule. And, uh, and I, I wrote like the first 50 pages or so, and it was going really well, and it looked really great. And uh, uh, this guy calls me out on the on, on the email list a while later and says, hey, where's this this bet, you know, that we've got going? Where's this story? And at the time, we weren't quite sure how publishing to the internet was going to interact with, you know, world publishing rights and with legal rights. So I said, you know what, I, 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 I am doing it, uh, but this is turning out to be a really good story. I think I can sell it. I don't want to publish it here. And the guy goes, oh, so. In other words, I was right. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man, you were right. And, and he got to be right, and I got a six-book deal. That's awesome. Yeah, so it, it kind of worked out. You know? Oh, yeah. No, and then the story that I'd heard, and again, this is, you know, a friend of a friend or that it was the Lost Roman Legion and Pokemon. So that part was right. Just the beginning of, of where it came from is was a little off base. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, well, it was, it was just a bunch of authors. I mean, I was just one more internet loudmouth. <laughs> I'm still in an I'm still an internet loudmouth. I just, uh, you know, I have some publishing credits. Yeah, now, so. quite quite successful, uh, you know, internet loudmouth. So that's okay. You have you have credibility now, right? Uh, I wouldn't give me very much. <laughs> so when you're doing the research for that, how how long do you research for a book before you're like, okay, I have enough? Or I mean, because you can get lost in a in a deep hole of of different things. Yes. Um, research is, whenever you're researching anything, that's one of the classic author traps is that you get a rabbit hole, you go too far down. Um, my philosophy has always been get just enough research to get started. And then as you're working, continue it. And, uh, uh, and when you find something really, really cool that you want to use later, great. Don't stop what you're doing and rewrite everything. Save it for the next book. Uh, uh, so you know, I'll, I'll, as I get ideas, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out ways to work them into the story uh, um, so that they'll be useful in the future, but it won't slow me down with what I'm doing right now. That's great advice. And when you start a new series, say like we're, you know, we're talking about the Codex Lair, did you outline much of that or did you, you just kind of free write until you get enough or get stuck and then you're like, okay, I need to figure stuff out? Like, how do you go about your writing process? Oh, well, Codex Alera was um, pretty much a coming of age story. You know, so it was basically I was I was basically borrowing from um, uh, uh, from the from the Hornblower books, you know, where you see this character advance from, you know, from a midshipman to a lieutenant, et cetera, et cetera, as he goes up as he goes up the ranks. Mm -hmm. And so I did the same thing 
uh, with my character only I had to start him off, you know, I had to figure out, you know, what he was going to be doing within, within this um, quasi Roman society that I had, that I was building. So, you know, it, he starts off as a shepherd and, you know, then he moves up and then he's a student. And, and after that, he's an agent. And after that, you know, and each time, you know, he sort of advances himself and the story goes to a new stage where he has uh, more power and more responsibility. And, you know, because those two always, those two things always go together and, you know, bigger problems uh, uh, and, but also greater resources with which to confront the problems. And, and so that was just sort of the nature of the story until, you know, he winds up the king of everything. So that was fairly simple. I mean, that was, that, that's not anything that I invented. That's just, you know, that's other people have, have done that and it worked really well for him. So I thought I'd do it too. Um, for Dresden, it's a little bit, it's been a little bit more subtle because he's always sort of been uh, a, a very, uh, a very independent character who sort of exists outside of most power structures and so on. And so as he's, as he's advanced, it's been a little bit more complex and a little bit harder. And uh, for him, a lot more of, you know, sort of myself and what I've learned in, in my own life has, has, has fed into Dresden. So, uh, and is, and is still continues to do so. Uh, uh, so all these people who are like, you know, who are like, Oh, it's been so great to see this character actually grow and develop. And she's like, yeah, I just, it really it's just me getting a little bit less stupid and trying to convey that into the character <laughs> as I've gotten older, but hopefully, uh, uh, hopefully they will continue like him. Yeah. He's a great character. It's a, it's a fantastic series. Um, have you been able to keep, um, the books in line with the outline that you originally did those, that 20 book outline that you presented to your teacher, or have you had to change much? Um, there's been, uh, there's been a couple of changes that I've had to make. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit superstitious about going too far from the outline, but at this point, it looks like I'm going to need probably 22 books to get the story to the point where I need it. And then, uh, and then I could do my, my big old trilogy at the end. That makes it 25 books, which is five, 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 very wizardly. I like that. Nice. No, that's exciting. Going towards this, this three book trilogy, that's what you've been working for this whole time. Are you kind of anxious or like, is it, oh man, I don't know if I'll ever get to it. How have you? handled that kind of pressure oh no no i'm gonna get there. i'm gonna get there I, and i and i kind of want to hit it as i you know sort of reach my sort of reach my my peak writing ability uh so hopefully hopefully it'll work out well um i, I still kind of think of myself as i still sort of say to myself when i'm a grown-up writer i'm gonna write i'm gonna write epic fantasy series that i've got in mind that i wanted to write from, since the time i was 19 and you know, I realized when I was about 35, oh, wait a minute, I don't have the maturity and, and knowledge necessary to write a series this, this significant yet, um, or, or at least to, to make the attempt yet. But hopefully I'll be, hopefully I'll be able to do that. Uh, uh, so I, and now, you know, I, I, I turned 50 uh, this year. And so it's like, you know, maybe at this point, maybe I'm just about ready. But I, I got this Dresden stuff to do first. And honestly, Dresden was... I didn't even want to do that project. My, my writing teacher talked me into it. I mean, I was a swords and horses fantasy guy, and that's what I was going to do. And at some point, you know, during class, you know, she looked at me and said, you know, you're always talking about Buffy and about Anita Blake and, and, and about Babylon 5, you know, in terms of uh, your, where, where your writing craft is going. And yet, you know, you're writing all these stories that have nothing to do with them. You know, maybe you should try something like that. You know, maybe you should try. Maybe you should try an urban fantasy. Maybe you should try a science fiction. And I was all, oh, 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 no, I'm a swords and horses fantasy author. You know. And finally, uh, one semester, she she just kept on me. And one semester, I decided, all right, you know what? 
I'm going to prove her wrong. And the way I'm going to prove her wrong is the most college student way of all to prove anybody wrong, malicious compliance. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to do exactly what she says. I'm going to fill out all the little worksheets and do all her little forms and, and, and do these outlines. And she's going to see what sort of terrible cookie cutter pablum crap emerges from that kind of process. And that was when I wrote the first book of the Dresden Files. Dang her. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, which, you know, which showed her. Uh, but it took a couple of years for the thing to take off, uh, uh, you know, to actually get sold. And then a couple more years after that for it to gather an audience. But it just kept gathering steam all by itself. And so while it wasn't the project that I envisioned myself, I envisioned myself writing, um, it was working out so well. How could I not? So you know, it's still something that, that I'm working on and uh, um, and have a great deal of fun writing and uh, the, the problem is I've got to reread the series before I start a new book and the series just keeps longer and longer. Uh, and not only that, but the last time I, I reread the series, I was reading it out loud. Oh, really? Yes. And suddenly all of James Marster's worries have come home to me. It's like, oh, my God, write things that are hard to say. So so I've been changing my style up a little bit to make it a little bit more lyrical. So hopefully his job's a little bit easier in the future. Yeah. No, I love his narrations. In fact, I have you're you're the oh, he's. Good. He is. You're the only author that I've read. You know, I've read. I'm on Battleground for Dresden. So every book so far, the Codex Lara and the the Windless Arena, I've I've listened to them. I it's the only. You're the only author that I've listened to every single book that's out that I don't have a copy of a book. So. Oh my god. So. Yeah. Well, that doesn't bother me at all. I make a little bit more money on audio books. So thank you very. <laughs> you're welcome. But but um, if we're ever at a convention together, I will get a book and get it signed from you. So excellent. Excellent. Sounds great. So what do you consider your strengths as a writer and what do you consider as your weaknesses? As a writer, I, I think my most significant strength is here's, here, here's the compliment I got. Uh, one of my favorite compliments that I've ever got. And I got it from uh, an A10 pilot or no, an A10 mechanic, uh, uh, in uh, A10 warthog. It's a, a fighter plane uh, in U S military. Uh -huh. And and the mechanic wrote to me and said, you know what? I consider these books amazing for the same reason that I consider the A-10 amazing. And that is sustained superior performance. You know, it might not always, each book might not be the most amazing, but you always know when you buy a book and pick it up, you're going to enjoy it and have a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's not your favorite book, it's still going to be a darn good book. And that was, that was uh, to me, uh, just a fantastic compliment. And I think it's a, a testimony to all the writing craft that uh, Debbie Chester taught me way back in the 90s. That's fantastic. Your books are unique as well, because even though over the 20 books that have been out so far, it has, you know, there's a story arc, but somebody, if they're looking for something in the fantasy that they just are going on a plane or something, they see something in the bookstore, they could pick up any book and read it and enjoy it. And it doesn't necessarily have to um, know the story before yeah. and after. Like it's a standalone and it's enjoyable. Yeah, I think I think Peace Talks and Battleground don't fall into that quite as strongly. Yeah, I did my best, but, but that was, they were originally supposed to be one book. And then my publisher came back and said, you know, we're probably going to have to make this a $49 hardback if you write this whole thing as a hardback, because we, we you know, uh, uh, we don't really have the, the big, thick fantasy book publishers uh, working with this. So the, the folks that we work with is going to cost more money. And I'm like, I'm not going to be the first guy to have a $50 book. Sanderson can do that. I'm not going to do that. And uh, uh, so they said, okay, well, can we split it into two? And so I found a way to sort to sort of uh, uh, separate a couple parts of the story, but uh, originally it was just supposed to be the one book. But a as it was, um, I, you know, I got to turn out a couple of novels in 2020 when people really needed something else to think about. 
and uh, I think that worked out okay, and and I hope that the fans enjoyed it. No, they they've been great. I've enjoyed listening to them. So, yeah, thanks for putting them both out in 2020. Appreciate it. Oh well, it, we were gonna have like this big year, and we had these we had these trailers made, and we we're gonna go gonna go around to all these conventions and do these tour these tours that you know began at, at Comic Con and ended at Dragon Con. It was all gonna be huge and exciting, and you know very high profile and everything. And then wham, COVID. Oh man, it's like oh okay, I'm gonna be doing Zoom interviews all year instead. So what has been your um, your biggest challenge? Like what what has your habits been through COVID to maintain the writing schedule? Oh, uh, it, it was it was it was really difficult. Um, uh, unfortunately, I was going through a divorce during COVID, and and that you know that kind of anytime you're an artist and you hit some huge emotional thing like that, it makes it really difficult to continue work. Uh, but as we've been coming out of it, then it's just you know what I have to set aside this time every day, and you know I had to start slow. It's like okay, just 15 minutes. You can just get 15 minutes of honest work in today. That'll be good enough. Okay, tomorrow. 25 minutes the next day 35 minutes and just kind of build up until you know you're writing you know your writing brain is is, is like a muscle you got it you can't just jump right in and start writing for eight hours a day you know you have to kind of build it up and build it up and build it up and so that's kind of the point where i'm at now where it's like all right i can i i, I can get back to work and hopefully i'm going to be turning out a couple of books a year again and uh, uh that's you know that's that that's my hope well i'm sorry you had to go through that but i think this is great advice for not only people who have gone gone through their own struggles, but for new writers who yeah, absolutely look at a blank page and like are just like I don't know what to do. But like you said, going okay, fifteen minutes and then twenty. Like as as they grow, they can grow. Yeah, don't yeah don't kill yourself at first. Start slow. Let yourself build up. Let it grow, and you'll know you're on the right track when you you sit down for your you know your thirty minute writing session and you look up and it's an hour and a half later and and uh, that's the best feeling uh, as any kind of artist will tell you that. That, that when you just sort of vanish into the work that you're doing and you, and you kind of look up at the world a bit later and go, oh, oh, I, I actually exist in the real world too. You know, that, that's, a, that's a very fun feeling. Well, I imagine that most people that want to become a writer has had that same experience reading. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you want to give readers too. I mean, you want readers to be able to, to forget that they're looking at words on a page and to start watching the movie in their head uh, and if you can do that for readers, I, th I think it's one of the greatest experiences that, that, that one, of the, one of the things that I'm most grateful for when I read a book that catches my imagination. And, and that's just something I want to give to other people as well. Uh, I'm kind of a dealer in mental morphine. It's like, here, let's go to another world for a while. You can forget your problems and, and have some fun over here. And, and maybe you'll have a better perspective when you come back. Right. And that's the beauty as an artist that you get to provide that for people. Yeah, I hope so. That's the goal. Yeah. So when you're young and you were reading, you know, uh, you know, Tolkien and the Lloyd Alexanders, um, is, is there anybody that when you began writing that you took inspiration from you? Like, oh, I want to be, you know, you said Dragonlance. I want to be like Tracy Hickman and Margaret Wise. Like, did you, was there anybody you looked up to? Well, I got to say, I wouldn't have become a writer at all if Margaret Wise hadn't walked into my high school, uh, my high school library and given a talk about being an author. Oh, really? Um, I would actually... This will kind of tell you what kind of kid I was. Uh, uh, I was like, I was, I was one of the better scholars in school. Uh, I was, I was pretty smart. And, but my senior year, I was being all cool, being a senior and skipping class, sort of. And that last, you know, that last semester of senior year, it's sort of hard to take things seriously. And so I was skipping class, but because I was cool, but I was skipping class to go to the library and read. So <laughs> I was pretty nerdy. But the 
the vice principal in charge of discipline, whose name was Leroy Brown, you know, bad, bad Leroy Brown walked in and uh, me and he sort of blinked because he knew that his student couldn't possibly be skipping class. So he looked at me and said, and said, Jim, are, are you here for the author talk? And I'm like, yes, I am here for the author talk. Let me help you set up chairs for the author talk, which I am here for. <laughs> and so I, I kind of wound up at on accident and Margaret walked in and talked about being a writer. And I found myself going, oh, my gosh, here's a woman who's from Independence, Missouri. You know, she's not from she's not from some big fancy place. And she became a significant author who's, who's, who's you know, contributed to, to, to the writing and culture. And maybe too. it was the next year that I wrote my first novel. That's awesome. Now, I know you're a big inspiration to a lot of people. I've talked to multiple people who are like, oh, yeah, Jim Butcher's like the man. Is there anybody that you um, enjoy reading now, like any contemporary authors that are like, oh man, this guy's like fantastic that you kind of look up to him. And like, I wish I could really write like that. I'll tell you right now, I still wish I could write as well as Lois McMaster Boudreau. I don't know if you've ever read any of her books. Yeah. She's famous for the Miles Brosigan series. She has more Hugos than anyone alive. And uh, Lois is, in my opinion, the most skilled and talented writer alive right now in, in, in the science fiction and fantasy genre. Uh, her stuff is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, my personal hero as a writer is Robert B. Parker, uh, who wrote the, who wrote the Spencer, you know, the Spencer Private Eye series. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the best hardball American Private Eye fiction that's ever been written. Uh, uh, and he he didn't he didn't even get started until he was in his mid forties, and and he just wrote book after book after book, and they're all so solid and good and fun to read. And and not only that, but apparently he passed at the keyboard like a man you know that that's how i go out like that I mean, you know creating something creating something fun for people to read wow and, uh, so he's he's one of my major heroes and i i always go reread a bunch of his books when i'm getting ready to start dresden uh sanderson is an, is an amazing writer um uh, he's one when when my own son was learning to write i advised him to go listen to what sanderson had to say and then brandon started putting up you know a bunch of his college lectures on on youtube yeah and so you know my kid has learned, my, my kid has learned as much from me as from as much from brandon as he has from me which i find terribly exciting i'm I, i'm really looking forward to seeing what he creates nice um but yeah yeah i mean there's all kinds of really amazing really fun really wonderful writers running around um uh and and you know at this point in my career i'm sort of looking you know, I'm, I'm sort of looking at the at the younger writers coming up behind me and seeing what I can do to to advise them and help them and, you know, and kind of get them moving. And, uh, uh, you know, I want to pass on what Debbie taught me and uh, so that we can, you know, continue having cool stories to read and so that I can have cool stories to read uh, in the future. Yeah. What other sort of uh, geeky hobbies do you like to do? Uh, let's see i i play quite a few video games uh lately i'm doing a lot of league of legends and i'm still on fallout 4 i've got about eight thousand hours in fallout 4 because you can with all the mods that players create for it you know you can create a completely different game every time you play and i go through it and play it as various characters from my books and so on nice uh, uh just just because okay, oh this character would never would never actually use this weapon so i have to go find something else even though it makes my life so much harder and and, and uh, I enjoy that kind of challenge in a game. Uh, let's see. Uh, I enjoy LARPing. Uh, uh, so I'll, I'll go get dressed up, get dressed up in costumes and, you know, with swords and spears and shields and stuff made out of foam and plumbing supplies and go fight people over the weekend and, and, and have a great deal of fun. Um, you know, I, I, I'm 
I've kind of got to play, I either have to play like these wizard slash healer characters who aren't quite as active, or else if I'm still playing a fighter, I have to be the guy like, I'm getting too old for this, you know, like that. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a lot of fun to do. Uh, uh, and so, you know, that's, that's one of the things I get involved in. And, um, you know, other than that, you know, I'm still always reading. Uh, uh, I love watching, you know, there's so much media now yeah. and I love watching and analyzing it. It's one of the, it's one of the ways that I, I help teach my son writing craft is we would sit down and, you know, we, okay, let's watch this episode of the Mandalorian and let's look at the writing and see what they did well and what they could have done better. And, and it's, it's just been a great deal of fun. Uh, I, I love looking around. Uh, at what at the work other people are doing and and seeing what joy I can take in it and seeing and seeing what I can do to improve my own craft while I'm doing it. Yeah, now you can take lessons and learn from everywhere. So it's exactly it's good to do that. Exactly. No, I had the same experience with my son. Um, you know, I don't have a book out or anything, but I've always wanted to be a writer, so that's what I'm working on. And my son, who is 14 next month, he wants to become a writer too. So we were watching uh, The Dark Knight Rises, and I was explaining the the try fail cycle. You know, and so right. I was like, okay, like usually the tri-fail cycle is, you know, fail, fail, succeed. You know, it's usually in threes. And so we, yep. we watched it. And when Bruce Wayne climbs up the pit, I don't know if you remember the Dark Knight Rises. Oh, yeah. All. You know, he, he fails twice. And then the third time he succeeds, he's like, dad, it's like, yep. it works. I'm like, yeah, I have to build tension. So, yeah, it's good to learn to, from, from lots of different sources. Uh, you can be uh, a student from everyone. Exactly. Yeah, you you never you never get to a point where I mean I, I still feel like I, I'm only sort of barely competent as a storyteller, and there's so much to learn and so many so many places to draw uh, inspiration and 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 wisdom, and and so I, I keep trying to learn more. Perfect, fantastic. Well, Jim, um, are you going to be able to get anywhere this year? Any conventions or anything like that? Touring? Uh, I'm not doing a lot of travel right now. I, I'm trying to actually get a bunch of writing done. And uh, that's that's been sort of my goal for this year, and and I'm going to keep pursuing that. Probably find me at Dragon Con. I, I almost always seem to wind up there. Uh, it's kind of my home con, and and uh, I just love going there. Perfect. Well, if anybody gets there, um, I'm sure look you up and say hi. Please do. Perfect. Um, thank you for getting on with me. I learned a lot, and I know other people will. So I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you very much. I'm happy to give it to you. Thank you for listening to the Troy Podcast. Please subscribe, like and share with your friends.